what will you have? You're now tuned in to Marcus Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Nothing much happening out here on the Outer Rim. Just patiently waiting for the release of the Bad Batch, which is coming in less than a month. This is a really exciting time for us Star Wars fans. There are so many things that have came out this year and so much coming in 2023. I have to say I'm super excited. This is going to be a great year for Star Wars. Okay, so what do we got for news and rumors today? Oh, I thought this was interesting. In an interview for the Disney Plus series Willow, John Kasdan spoke with The Hollywood Reporter about his work on Solo and where he believes Lucasfilm should take the potential sequel to the story. John, who co-wrote the film with his father, legendary screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan, has never shed away from talking about the film and the plans that they were making for the possible future installments. First, he reveals his biggest writing problem with Solo, which apparently he lost some sleep over when they were making the movie. But this is what John had to say. I'm going to reveal the writer's nightmare right now. If Dryden Voss is so concerned about exposing his gang to the Kessel heist, why does he send his most trusted aide, Kira, to be the most visible member of the team that steals the Coaxium? It seems to me that he is going to have to kill her just to separate himself from the job. So it always drove me crazy, and it was a problem that I was eager to fix in the sequel. One of the highlights of the movie for him was the character of Kira. She was a creation of his father, who was trying to create a morally debatable female character in Star Wars. John said the following about her. Before I got involved, and before anyone was involved, my dad was really passionate about creating a different kind of female in Star Wars. Someone who was sincerely morally ambiguous. Kira had grown up very hard. She had a life that forced her to become a survivor, and she was going to have to make the tough choices that Han couldn't quite make. Even in the final moments of his life, Han was always going to be undone by his heart. But Kira was on the other side of the line, so that's what I thought she brought to the screen. But it's wonderful that she's not evil. She's just a survivor, and she maneuvers through all the powerful entities to help get her to the end game. As the years have gone by and there has been more Star Wars, my enthusiasm for doing more Solo has declined, but only because there's so much great Star Wars out there right now. But one of the things that I would love to revisit is the relationship between the two of them, because there's so much fun and complexity to be found in a relationship between Han and Kira. Lastly, when asked about the potential for more Solo-related stories living in Disney+, he admits that he has been attracted by the idea of making a TV special, something like Marvel Studios have been doing recently. He said, I don't honestly know. I'm always afraid to ask Kathleen because she can see right through me and she can see my desire to tell more of the story. But in recent months, I have been intrigued by the werewolf by night as a potential form of storytelling on Disney+. So I would love to see Lucasfilms embrace a short form version for telling some of their stories. That certainly seems like a place where the future stories about those characters could live. Of course, no Star Wars live action TV special has been announced so far but it could be an interesting idea to explore. If Disney considers the numbers pulled by Werewolf by Night and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday specials are good enough, all Star Wars live action content is now coming to us through television. Andor season one has just now wrapped up and we are a little bit over three months away from the Mandalorian season three premiere. And as the franchise looks to return to the big screen, something likely to happen in late 2024 or 2025, a TV line action special could work as a bridge between both worlds while we wait. This is not the first time that John has acknowledged the desire for more solo stories. 
in recent weeks with Willow now scoring great reviews across the board. Perhaps Kathleen Kennedy will be willing to give Alden another opportunity to play the character. For now, Willow and other Lucasfilm productions that George apparently wanted to see back when he sold the company will be streaming on Disney+. And maybe one day we might see a solo project on Disney or maybe even on the big screen. Only time will tell. Let me know your thoughts on Solo by dropping me an email or a message over on the Swaycast website. Because I would love to know what you guys think. Do you think that they should come out with another Solo? Either a TV series or a sequel? I don't know. I think I would want to watch it. Now let's get to the fun fact. And I thought this was funny because I have done it myself before. According to Matthew Woods, sound editor for Rise of Skywalker, changes of the script came in so late that he had to travel to Adam Driver's house to record him delivering a few new and necessary lines in a rather low-tech place. This is what Matthew had to say. I ended up opening one of his closet's door where he had all of his suits and just pushed the suits out of the way and said, hang your head in here. And that is where he recorded the final lines of Rise of Skywalker, which is crazy if you think about it. When I first started recording music back in the day, we turned the closet in our studio into a sound booth. And I have recorded episodes of this very podcast in the closet of the studio I am in now while I was waiting for the sound panels to be finished. So when people tell me that they don't have anywhere to record, I say to them, there's always somewhere to record. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get back to Star Wars Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Mel Alabeth just found her calling in the force. And even though Anakin had to get some info for Obi-Wan, he knew he must nurture her gift. So let's see what's happening now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sunrise and Kato Neimoidia lacked the colors usually found on other planets. Each planet's unique atmospheric conditions and chemical makeup had given Obi-Wan some stirring views in his time. Bright and bold colors that looked like the Force had taken hold and burst into the physical realm in the form of brilliant splashes across the sky. But this planet was draped in fog, and the early morning on the surface may as well have been Coruscant's lower levels. Shadows and structures combined with thick mist to absorb most of the light, turning things mostly into an ashen gray outside of the occasional orange glow from trees. It provided good cover as Obi-Wan sneaked down to get a closer look at the strange bunker he'd discovered right when Rug and Kitar took off. There were, of course, plenty of half-shattered buildings of all sizes, so another one the size of a speeder garage shouldn't have seemed out of place. But this one, the way the double doors sat neatly together without a trace of damage, it all appeared a little too intact for something that had withstood the massive shockwave of the structure crashing on the surface. Not to mention the unusual wake of the force he sensed from the bunker. It had come and gone in a flash, but all of that together pulled at him to explore further. A bunker that, of course, had been locked during that late night. A sealed door was always a cause for greater concern. Now he returned, various scanners and sensors packed with him. More important, he picked up several hunks of raw meat from a local market. He waited behind the shed, sitting quietly on a cracked retaining wall, then stretched out in the forest to scan for any corgi beasts. It didn't take long to sense the region's natural wildlife. 
Obi-Wan tossed the first hunk of meat in the direction of the nearest Corgi beast, then another a mere ten meters out, the third right in front of the shed's door. Obi-Wan assessed his surroundings, first with his eyes and ears, then with the Force. With things clear, he reached back and thrust his hand forward into the air, a telekinetic propulsion whipping through the space and causing a massive V-shaped dent in the door. The dim surroundings lit in a brilliant blue as Obi-Wan's lightsaber gave a snap hiss sinking to life. He pierced the hinge on one side of the door, melting it through until it snapped off, then gripped the door through the force and pulled the corner with the severed hinge down, the metal groaning as it bent. Sweat formed on Obi-Wan's brow, the door piece stubbornly warping slower than he would like, and it gradually twisted until it created a hole big enough to crawl through, and damage that looked close enough to be impact from wildlife to cover his tracks. One more scan around showed the area to be safe outside of a sniffing corgi beast, and Obi-Wan considered the animal's rough distance to the bait one more time before climbing in. His boots landed on the metal floor with a clang, the space empty enough to carry the sound. Little light made it through, so Obi-Wan activated his lightsaber again to get a better look. On one end sat a large locked case about a meter wide. Obi-Wan tugged at the lid for good measure. On the other, a small comm station appeared to be set up. A portable configuration sitting on a makeshift table along with a battery source, perhaps the kind usually manufactured to go in starfighters. It was enabled, though, and between the clean setup and the system's status lights and power indicators, it clearly had been established recently. Obi-Wan activated its interface, though the data log was blank. He almost began searching its database for deleted records when he noticed a small data pad plugged into its side. The data pad lit up, a card-sized device too small for its own screen that instead projected out a hologram of information. Obi-Wan blinked several times to make sure he read it correctly. Then he read it again. And again. He checked details one more time before scrolling through different tabs of information. But rather than provide a clearer context to the findings, every passing word and number only amplified the mounting sense of dread growing in his gut. He took a breath and centered himself. After all, he had a job to do. And the Republic was counting on him. The display showed an analysis of bomb debris, explosive blast patterns, and structural damage, all side by side with the same type of equipment used by bomb squads and clone battalions. Schematics scrolled by with matching images, real-world evidence juxtaposed with designs from the Ministry of Science. Each successive screen of information broke down the connections in more detail, creating further links to the Republic. The anxiety in his gut grew, though he let the feelings pass and considered the bigger picture. 
If this data made a Jedi Master feel so much unease, it surely would be damning for a Neimoidian audience mourning a catastrophe. That thought propelled him back to constructive action, his mind starting to consider ways forward. Though things certainly looked bad for the Republic, many different ruses could be at play. The data itself could be falsified. The comparisons might be disinformation. The culprit may not have actually had ties to the Republic. Though several different paths forward played out in his head, they all started with the same first step. He'd brought along Anakin's comlink for an emergency. This constituted exactly that. He pulled it off his belt and sent a signal far across the galaxy to Anakin. Obi-Wan, this better be good. We just got the younglings to settle down. Anakin, he said. I have one more thing for you to send to Dex for analysis. Didn't I just send you Dex's findings? Which was true. But those findings came in the form of results from various scans and measurements. More for processing than anything else. Simply hints, not the hard, clear evidence he held before him. This is different. Tell him the entire war may hinge on this. He can't get this wrong. Anakin's cheeky tone hardened, and Obi-Wan could practically see his eyes narrowing in serious thought. What have you found? A datapad of unknown origin, tucked away in a hidden bunker on the surface. Its contents show a clear link to Republic materials and protocols. It's false. It has to be false. Someone is trying to trick you. That's what I need you to prove. Obi-Wan opened the access port in the back of the data pad, then connected it to the comm link. I'm sending you everything on here. Do not tell anyone about this. Not the clones, not the Jedi Council. This information cannot have any possibility of getting out until we determine its source and validity. Are you sure? Keeping this from the Council? Such a question surprised Obi-Wan. It was a reasonable thing to ask, though having Anakin of all people ask it caught him off guard. Perhaps his former apprentice was maturing after all. The information is too volatile. The local government already has suspicions. We must keep any official communications out of this until we have definitive proof that it's falsified. Understood. Anakin went silent, though the transmission channel remained open. What will you do with the data pad? I'm not sure yet. Leaving it here wasn't an option. It had to be safeguarded. But he couldn't carry it the whole time. Not with the possibility of encountering guards and officials. Every choice comes with an inherent risk. What if... Anakin paused, his voice lowering. What if you destroy it? Obi-Wan wanted to be shocked at such a suggestion. Extreme measures like that dipped into the deceptive ways that led to the Separatist mentality in the first place. But the truth was, he'd considered such a thing. In a time when Jedi planned military operations, Padawans became soldiers, and a clone army appeared out of nowhere, all of the clear delineations of roles, of protocols, of morality itself 
suddenly disappeared, leaving only a fuzzy definition of what right and wrong were supposed to be. I have thought about it, he said, as much an admission to himself as to Anakin. Especially since I'm sending you the data. But no, we need to keep the original intact. He switched off its glowing holographic projection and assessed the device itself. I think it's small enough to fit into that secure case you gave. Wait, Anakin said. Nothing is coming through on my end. Blast it. Obi-Wan looked up at the bunker ceiling. Though the layers of debris, mist, mountainous arches, and the still-suspended cities of Zara probably caused more interference than a simple layer of metal. I'll need to get off the surface. Stand by while I get back up there. Okay. I'll be waiting. Keep that safe until you can send me a copy. Agreed. I'll get up there as fast as I can. Kenobi out. The comm link beeped. Then Obi-Wan took one last look around the bunker. The communications terminal, the locked case, all of it would have to wait for further investigation. Right now, his priority was getting back into comm range. Obi-Wan considered the few pieces of bait he had remaining for the Corgi beasts. He kept one in his pouch in case he encountered any wildlife on his way back to his craft, then threw the remainder by the door. Within seconds, a shuffling noise stirred in the debris down the cracked alleyway, and Obi-Wan departed, reassured that the local wildlife would cover his tracks. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. The last time Obi-Wan was in a bar, he nudged a young man to go home and rethink his life, then severed the arm of a would-be assassin. And while that hadn't happened too long ago, the war had stopped giving any meaning to time, making the immediate task seem excruciatingly infinite while the days counted quickly. How had they gone from greeting Senator Amidala in her apartment to being thrown into the middle of war with all of its skirmishes and subterfuge in such a short period? Indeed, the war had escalated so fast that quiet moments to ask how and why they got there proved rare. So when they arrived, he took advantage. Obi-Wan sat at the bar, allowing himself a moment's peace to consider it all. Once back on Zara's streets, he'd successfully transmitted the data to Anakin, who promised to get in touch with Dex as soon as possible. He'd then hidden the device in the secure case with the comm link before leaving for the less glamorous part of Zara. Only now did he have time to ruminate. The war, Dooku, the clones, the mystery data. And he gave himself time to have a drink. If the locals knew who he was or why he'd come to the planet, it didn't seem like they cared. At least not in this particular pub that Rook had suggested. 
Perhaps it had to do with its location. A neighborhood buried far off by one of Zara's struts and far from the center of the government's ornate buildings and brightly lit commercial district. In this small, stuffy room, a mix of Neimoidians and off-worlders sat shoulder to shoulder. A thick burning cloud of some type of smoked spice trailing through the air. The wall of chatter blanketed sound enough that he almost didn't notice Rude sitting down next to him, still in her commando outfit, but without the outer layer of maroon armor. Your apprentice isn't here, Obi-Wan pointed at the empty stool next to him. I saved two spots. He seems like he could use a drink. Or two. <laughs> I needed a break, she said with a laugh. He's a bit moody these days. What's your word for them? She flipped a coin at the bartender. A different currency than the standard Republic credit chip. Padawan. Obi-Wan had asked the question as a means of casual conversation. Though it came with the benefit of stalling as he weighed bringing up what he'd seen earlier. Ruth carried herself differently than Kitar, and definitely Ventress. Weary, weathered, but held by a strong moral compass. Would that be enough for her to accept the revelation of the mystery data pad without an overreaction? He bit down on his lip while considering the alternatives, including the possibility of simply not telling Rogue. My own apprentice actually was recently promoted. He's off on his own now, trying to save the galaxy through willpower alone. Rogue laughed as the bartender slid over a drink so roughly that it spilled out into her long green fingers as she caught it. How long until reality hits him? He may be even more stubborn than Kita. She shook her head, taking down half her drink in one gulp. Lucky us, right? She asked. He's a good kid. Just caught up and all. She gestured around them. This. I'm trying to keep him away from Ventress. She's a little too eager, if you ask me. I'm not terribly fond of any agent of Dooku's. See? At least you're honest with me, she said, taking a smaller sip. I have findings for you. As I for you. Well, then. Rook held up her remaining drink. Obi-Wan clinked his glass against hers, and they both took a sip. It's not much to go on. Further scans. We've lined up some more security recordings with the simulation to try to identify the exact chemical mixture for the blast radius, explosion, heat, that sort of stuff. Take a look. She slid a data pad his way, though he didn't pick it up, instead of focusing on his drink. She looked his way, then back at her own glass, then back at him. I do. She started before looking all around the room. I do have a lead. Obi-Wan immediately thought of Anakin, somewhere across the galaxy getting information from Dex. Obi-Wan said he wanted the truth. He said that to Rug, to the Jedi Council, to Palpatine, to Dooku. But right now, he didn't necessarily want the truth. He wanted Anakin to report that the information on that data pad was falsified somehow, or out of context, or something that would not link the Republic to such morally bankrupt standards. 
and rogue. Was her lead the same information? Was that possibly even her bunker? It is only a lead. I need to run further analysis. Getting discrete access to the labs right now is difficult. Is it definitive? We'll find out. Rude looked down at the amber fizzing liquid in her glass. I don't want to bias your investigation, so forget I said anything. For now, could be nothing. What about you? Nothing to make a strong case either way. He pulled out his own data pad, the one with Dex's report on scans and measurements, and made the decision right then to omit any mention of the other one hidden in his quarters, the one with potentially damning evidence. Trace elements found in common explosives. Blast zones representative of seven different types of explosive designs. Destructive capabilities found on the black market, but also common in many militaries. And my research shows no chatter about Ketonemoidia among bounty hunters or spice miners, he said, leaving out any details of making any transmissions. That's forensic evidence. You don't have any leads? Rue asked with a heavy sigh. They looked at each other, noise from the pub creating a tornado of sound. Glasses clinking, people of all different species shouting, laughter and claps coming in from all corners of the cramped room. Somehow life moved on here, even though each of these people probably felt the toll of Katasura. He asked himself one final time if he should mention the mystery data pad. And once again, he resisted. Not with what it revealed, nor how he found it. He simply needed more time. Not that I can speak of now. Then that's it, she said, shaking her head. Thousands dead. Unfathomable damage. And all we have are some chemical readouts and a lead that may be nothing. I have full faith in the truth, Obi-Wan said. Though at that moment, such a claim felt like a bit of a stretch. We just need to trust each other. Rook gave a quiet chuckle. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. You Jedi are peacekeepers. I admire your optimism. To trust, she said, holding up her nearly empty glass. I have a bad feeling about this. Obi-Wan raised his in return, then spoke softly, almost as much for himself as for her. Without trust, we have nothing. Without truth, we have nothing. We must have faith in it. And that was as much a part of him as his connection to the Force. Truth. I'll let you in on a secret. You know who forges that truth? Rue asked, the ridge above her left eye raised. People like me. You never see us, but that's what we do. I've killed bad people, and I've killed good people. People who deserved it, and people whose only mistake was that the Trade Federation felt they got in the way. You know what I've realized? What's that? He asked, finishing his drink. Almost everyone deserved it. To some degree. The group blocking shipping lanes in the Outer Rim. Maybe they're doing it to claim a bigger stake for the right reason. To help overturn some injustice that affected their planet. 
but the other side. That blockade delays the shipment of medical supplies to a planet facing famine. Populations that will never meet. All hurting one another. Without ever thinking about it. We're connected. Every one of us in the galaxy. Rug's fingers circled the rim of her glass. For every gain, someone else has a loss. Justice doesn't really exist. Not for everyone. I'm sorry you feel that way, Obi-Wan said, sincerely and without bite. Part of him understood her. He really did. He had seen planets, systems, entire populations deal with injustice. Her words carried a logic, and he recognized it. He simply chose not to give in to the cynicism. But they had lived very different lives. When my government told me to kill, she tapped a finger against the bar. I killed. Because almost every one of my targets deserved it. One way or another. But not the people on Katasura. They were living their lives. Kato Neimoria is neutral. Her body slumped over the bar, red eyes squeezed shut. Kato Neimoria is neutral, she said again. We will get to the truth. Obi-Wan's mind returned to the mystery data pad, the damning evidence. He wanted to will it into something that cleared the Republic, but a shift came in him. A recognition that Rug was right. The truth was bigger than just the Republic's needs. If it turns out to be difficult and ugly, then we will still turn that into justice. We just need time. Then what? That doesn't bring back the people who fell to the surface. Does that honor them? Does that do right by them? They sat in silence, empty drink glasses in hand, as Obi-Wan considered the path ahead. No, it does not. But I believe justice finds a way. It has to. Otherwise, why are we even here? We choose to do right, even in the face of so much wrong. Because there is no other way. A good minute passed before Rube tossed another several coins onto the bar and gestured for a refill. The bartender looked at her and she held up two fingers. In theory, you're right. But I've seen it firsthand. She stared straight down at her folded arms. This galaxy. It tries to break you. We can never let it do that. We must have hope. Another two glasses slid down the bar. She got both and took one down in a single gulp before handing the second Obi-Wan. Unfortunately, she said as she waved to the bartender again, I became numb to hope a long time ago. So here we go jumping back to Obi-Wan, and he had just found some evidence. Some evidence that could be damaging to the Republic. Shoot, what he just found could destroy the Republic. All the content on that data pad proves that the Republic is responsible for the bombing. So what does Obi-Wan do? Break some more rules by calling Anakin. Plus he tells Anakin not to tell the Jedi, which is definitely not like Obi-Wan. But I guess drastic times take drastic measures. 
Then he tries to send a copy of the information to Anakin, but it doesn't send. He must get back up to higher levels. And that's where this part ended. Then it jumps to Obi-Wan being in a bar. I gotta be honest with you. I can't stand the way this book jumps around. This is the second time I have listened to it, and it seems like it just gets more confusing. I liked it the first time I listened to it, but this time it is just annoying. I promise we are going back to the Old Republic for the start of Season 7. Okay, okay, my rant is over. I'm done, I'm done. There's more of this part that we need to cover. Like Obi-Wan and Rue drinking and swapping info. Neither one give any useful information. Obi-Wan wants to tell her about the data pad that he found, but he doesn't know if he can trust her. Even though he talks about hope and trust, and she talks about all the people she killed. Lies lost because of politics of the galaxy. By the end, they were just drinking, discussing how messed up the universe really is. I bet you that the same thing is happening right now. People are drinking and talking about the problem with our planet. But I got something that might help take our minds off the negative thoughts. I have the quote of this week. And this week's quote comes to us from Arnold Palmer. He said, always make a total effort, even when the odds are against you. Think about it. When you wake up in the morning, already the world is against you. It has been plotting while you slept, coming up with new ways to hold you back. That's why we have to counteract it with will. A will to be better every day, to be a better person, to be better at whatever task you need to get done. You must give life all your effort. The outcome of every situation is determined by the effort you put into that situation. And you must put in maximum effort. The effort to succeed, the effort to win, the effort to be the person you were meant to be. Succeeding boils down to the effort you put in it. The more effort you put in, the closer you will come to achieving it. And I think that's where we're going to end it today. Join us next week for part 22 of Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>